So I ask you this morning, who is your go-to? That's the title of my message this morning. Who is your go-to? When problems arise, when crisis comes, disaster strikes, decisions have to be made. You know, when storms come, we, we, we need peace in our life. Maybe you get a bad doctor report. Uh, uh, who do you ask for? Even when good times, who, who do you ask for help? Who do you vent to? Who do you run to? Who do you show thankfulness to? Who is your, who is your go-to? Is it people that you know and trust that are in your life? Is it maybe Facebook friends? Maybe is it, is it, uh, uh, you know, people you look up to? Some people run, run to, uh, medications. Maybe some people, you know, hit the bottle, alcohol, substances. And, you know, I know God puts people in our life to help us to walk with us through life. Praise God for that. I know that God sends people that are meant to walk with us. These guys I mentioned, all of them have walked with me so many times in my life. But what I'm asking you this morning is, what is your first response? Who is the first person that you go? Who is your go-to? Who do you depend on above anything else, above anyone else, and before anyone else? Who's on the other end of your red phone? Amen? Who's on the other end of your red phone? God, I'm going to say, God has to be our go-to. He has to be our number one. God has to be our go-to. If we're ever going to experience revival in our life, revival in our heart, then we have to realize that God has to be number one. He's got to be our go-to. And most of us here today, you, you don't, you're not going to argue with that. Most of you here today, I'm sure if I, if it was a test, you would all get an A plus, a 100 A plus on that test. So who is your number one? But the reality of it is that we all tend to forget or to not be aware in some of those moments that, that God should be our first response. We de- start depending on ourselves. We depend on others. You know, when I go somewhere, if I'm going somewhere for the first time, I always use my app, my map apps. I always use my map apps because I don't want to take a wrong turn. You know, one wrong turn on the interstate, you miss, I hate it. Nicole can tell you, I hate missing my exit on the interstate because sometimes you have to go 50 miles before you find another turnaround. You know, like, come on, why don't they put a, why don't they take the barriers down? I'm like, I can't believe I missed that turn. But that's just driving somewhere. How much more important is it in life that Every step is ordered to the Lord. The Bible says that. God says God orders the steps of the righteous. How important it is in life that we let God navigate the course of our life. The big things and the small things. We've got to let God be our number one. We have to come to a point where we realize God is the only true source of our life. He's got to be our number one. We believe that. We never stop believing that. But sometimes we tend to drift away from that. And when that happens, we find ourselves going through cycles in life. How many of y'all can look back over your life and you can see, man, that you were just in cycles up and down on fire for God. And then the next thing you know, the flame has dwindled, you know, and how many, it's, it's a lot harder to put out a blazing fire than it is a simmering fire. And so it's important that we stay on fire for God. But we can see that in our lives, those cycles that we go to. And so what causes those is that we slowly drift away from the source. We become disconnected from the source. Because I'm telling you, if we're plugged into the source, if we're plugged into Him, and we're faithful to be plugged into Him and to seek Him and to spend time in His presence, I believe God doesn't want us to live in, in cycles. He wants to carry us from, the Bible says that, He wants to carry us from level to level. From grace to grace. He wants to keep, he wants us to move forward. He wants us to live in a constant state of revival. 
Amen? So the Bible paints a really a great picture of this in Psalms chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Psalms chapter 1, verse 1 through 3. I'm going to read these from the NLT, but also the Passion Translation. It says, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners, or join with mockers. Verse 2. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. Everybody say day and night. We delight in the law of the Lord. The Passion Translation in verse 2 says this says his passion is to remain true to the word of I am. Meditating on it day and night. We have to have a passion and a drive and a love for his word. And we have to keep it before us day and night. There's a reason that we need to keep it before us day and night. Because the Lord knew we're going to need constant connection to the true source of our life. Amen? Constant direction. Verse 3 says, okay, so if we do that, verse 3 says, they are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. How many of y'all, that sounds good to you? That only comes if you do the first part of that. Delight yourself in His Word day and night. Meditate on it day and night. The Passion Translation says it like this. It says, He will be standing firm like a flourishing tree planted by God's design, deeply rooted by the brooks of bliss, Bearing fruit in every season. This is the part I love. He is never dry, never fainting, ever blessed, and ever prosperous. How many of y'all know when we go through those cycles, we start to feel a little dry. We start to feel a little faint. But we have to realize that God is our source. And it's so important that He plugged in that source. And really the word, the word that I want to get into us today is that we have to realize how desperately we need Him. We have to realize how desperately We need Him. Because if you move away from the source, even for a moment, if you move away from the source, then how many know we begin to wither? We begin to dry out. We begin to come disconnected. The Bible, and we got to know God is our source. The Bible says in Psalms 23, 3, it says, He he restores and revives my life. Acts 3.20 says, In times of refreshing will come from the Lord's presence. Matthew eleven twenty eight says that He is our oasis. Man, that picture of an oasis. I just picture in the middle of a desert. How many know you can, there can be dry all around you. There can be turmoil all around you, but God can make you an oasis in the middle of a dry and thirsty land. There's a verse in Isaiah that says He can make you flourish, make you like a well-watered garden in the midst of a dry and thirsty land. But we, we go through these cycles. Because I think a lot of times in the good times, how do you know when things are going good, life is rolling, we get busy, we start thinking, man, I got this. I got the, I got the world by the tail. I got this. I'm rolling. Um, I, I got riz. So that was a youth term. Y'all, most of you over the age of 17 don't know that term. But hey, those guys, they perked up, right? I got riz. Don't laugh at me. Don't laugh at me. You don't want the smoke. You know what the smoke? Those are all you speak. It's funny. They teach you these words, and then they laugh at you when they use them, when you use them. But anyway, but we get to thinking, man, we got this. Life is rolling. It's good. It's good. And then we tend to drift. We don't, we, we don't, we don't do it on purpose. Nobody in here says, you know what? I got this. I don't need you, God. But we let the busyness of life, we let the, we let the, the we let the enemy kind of create 
conflicts or, or compromise in our life. Most of the time when I look back at those cycles in my life, it was when I had let compromise come in. Maybe I cut my, my quiet time with the Lord short. Started cutting it short. Maybe I had good excuses. Man, I needed to be at work early. Or, or man, we were at church till midnight last night. Prophetic service with the Nortons. Oh, God, God surely won't mind if I sleep in today. You know, I'm going back tonight. You know, so many things, so many distractions the enemy tries to bring. We don't realize that all those things are trying to pull us away from the source of our life. Trying to pull us away, away from the one that we most desperately need in our life. It's never a conscious decision to drift away from the source. Y'all know that, right? I know everybody in here, man, you love the Lord. It's never a conscious decision to drift away. Nonetheless, we do. Anybody else in that boat? Am I the only one? Is this confessional time for me? You know, <laughs> we, all, we all tend to do that. We drift away. But it's no coincidence that it's during those times when the enemy seems to come in. The enemy seems to try to get a foothold in our life. It's in those times, maybe the day that you didn't spend time in God's presence, getting the strength you need for the day. Maybe it's the day where you didn't pray and ask God for wisdom for what you might face on the job that day. Maybe it's the day when you really needed direction and you didn't take time to get direction for that day. But it's those times, it's no coincidence that the enemy comes in on those times because the Bible says that the enemy is like a roaring lion. Wow, I just spit. Really, Good thing you guys aren't sitting a little further. (laughs) But the Bible says the enemy comes in he, he goes about like a roaring lion, seeking who he, what, may devour. Not everybody is fair game to the enemy. But he's seeking who he may devour. He's waiting for those moments of weakness. He's waiting for that moment where you're just a little disconnected. You just, maybe you just didn't have time to, to get the strength you needed that day. He's waiting. And the picture of it is, is a lion crouching behind the weeds in the field. And he, he's watching seeing who's a little bit isolated, who's a little lagging back a little bit today. He's, he's looking, he sees Brother Donald walk out of his prayer room. He's like, oh, there's Brother Donald. Brother Donald comes out, boy, I got the fire of God. I'm on fire for the Lord, the fire. And he's like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let me crouch back, let me back. He's not, not today for Brother Donald. Not today. He sees Pastor Stephen walk out, talking about revival and all that kind of thing. You know, he's like, oh, well, maybe not, maybe not Pastor Stephen well, there's Sister Thelma. There's Sister Thelma. Let me get my eye on her. What? She's talking about needing to return to God? Hmm. She's needing to return to the house of prayer. Oh, maybe she hadn't been praying. What's that she said? Is she talking about going to the club? Is she? What? Pounce. All of a sudden, pounce. That one moment of weakness, you know. It's those moments of weakness. I'm joking about that. Sister Thelma, you know, that's, a, that's an inside joke. If you weren't here a little while ago and saw that video, then you wouldn't understand. But anyway, just saying, he's looking, waiting for that moment. And it doesn't take a, a big moment. It doesn't take a major fall. He's looking for just a moment, just enough to get his foot in the door. But how do you know when we let him get his foot in the door, there's a crack and he can come in like a flood. Now, praise God. I believe God raises up a standard when the enemy comes in like a flood. But, the, he, but when he comes in like a flood, it's because he, sometimes it's because we left a crack. Sometimes it's because he just doesn't like you. But I believe he's very selective. He watches for those moments when he feels like he can take you down. He's waiting for those moments when he can get a foot in the door. And so it's no coincidence that during times of weakness or during times when we haven't connected like we should, those are opportune times 
for the enemy to come in. And before you know it, we're at the bottom of the cycle. We're in the valley. And we're saying, how did I get here? How did I get here? How did I let that sin creep back in? I thought I was free from that. How did I let that bondage back in my life? How did my marriage get in this state? We were doing good all of a sudden. How did my marriage get here? How did we get in this situation? How? How? And it all started. It all started by us not keeping our passion true. It all starts by us not keeping our passion true. True to the Word of God. True to night and day. Keeping Him before us. Keeping His Word before us. Staying connected to the source. That's got to be the most important thing in our life. Staying connected to the source. Amen? But we tend to let other things and other people take God's place as number one in our life. We let other things and other people, maybe they're noble things, maybe they're good things, maybe you're doing work for the church, but nothing, I don't care how good it is, nothing should take God's place. God wants to be your go-to. God has to be your go-to. God has to be your number one. Now we all know, we all know that God is the God of the valley. We all know, we've all been to those low places where we're saying, God, I'm at my low, God, I need you. And in those moments, we cry out and we're like, God, you're the only one that can help me. God, you're the only one that can save me. We've all been there. But what I feel like God wants us to know today is that he's not only God of the valley, but he's God of the mountaintop. And when we're doing good and we're on high, we have to still maintain a desperation for him. And know that we desperately need him because he's the same God that gets you out of the valley. is the same God that preserves you, sustains you, and keeps you on top. Amen? You can't stay on top without realizing your desperate need for him. We desperately need him every day of our lives. He's the God of the valley and the God of the mountain. We've got to keep him. As our go-to. Everybody say, God is my go-to. So how do we keep God our go-to? We all know that. We all believe that. I'm not telling you anything new today. We all know that God's got to be our number one, our go-to. So how do we keep Him as our go-to? How do we keep Him? Well, first off, we have to choose daily. We have to choose daily to, to connect to the source, to spend time in His presence, to spend time in His Word. In Joshua 24, 15... It says this, and if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day. Choose when? This day who you will serve. Whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. That's a powerful scripture. We all know it, but we always forget sometimes that every day when we get up, we have to choose. There's another scripture in the Old Testament that says, I set before you today life and death. Choose life. How many of y'all know if we don't choose, if we don't make a point to choose uh, to be in God's presence, if we don't make a point to choose the God as our go-to, how many of y'all know if we're not choosing life, we're choosing death? Earlier I said that you, you have, nobody makes a conscious decision to drift away from the source. To stay connected, to stay on fire, to stay where God wants us to stay. Amen? If we're not intentional, then we'll find ourselves. I wish I could tell you it was easy. I wish I could tell you that when you come to the Lord, man, you just get a coast on into His presence. Coast on into the life He has for you. 
But that's not true. We were born with a sin nature. We live in a fallen world. The current of this world is not pushing us toward God. So me and Nicole, we like to go to the beach. Anybody else like to go to the beach? Y'all like the beach? Right? So, man, we love to go to the beach. And, man, we are beach bums. We are beach bums. When our kids were young and they would go with us, we could go to the beach for a little while. But then after a little while, they're like, can we go do something else? Can we get? Oh, they don't talk like that. They're like, can we go do something else? You know, they want to, they didn't want to stay at the beach. But now that we're by ourselves, a few weeks ago, we went to the beach. We spent a week. And, man, we were beach bums. Every once in a while, the kids would call, the kids call us a couple times. Hey, what'd y'all do today? Oh, well, we, uh, went to the beach. And what else did you do? We ate food? Uh, no. We went to the beach. <laughs> that ain't that. Our schedule was get up, have some quiet time with the Lord. You know, read our Bible, pray. And then we had breakfast. We'd pack our lunch. We'd go to the beach. We'd come back later, eat dinner, go to bed. Sounds really exciting, doesn't it? <laughs> we are the most boring people. But man, we are beach bombs. And so, uh, Man, we like it. We love just, we went to go out. There is a point to this. We, so we go out and Nicole likes to just float. She likes to just float. She has her little float chair and she likes to just float on the water with the waves, man. On the waves. Me, uh, I am extremely buoyant in salt water. Okay. My buoyancy is off the charts. You know, for whatever reason, I know Stephen was telling me other, you know, no muscle weighs more than fat. You know, anyway, so anyway. For whatever reason, I float really well. So I'm just out there on my back riding the waves. And she's like amazed. How do you not sink? I mean, I'm taking the waves and everything. Just never move. I just take a deep breath when the wave's coming and I'm right up the top. Anyway, so I do that. But I'll do that for a while. And then I'll look. I like always keep. There's always a current at the beach. There's always a current that will take you down the beach one way or the other. There's always a current. How do y'all know that? You could be out there for just a little bit. And you'll look up. Oh, there's our stuff way over there. So me, I'm always conscious of that. I'll float for a little while, and then I'll swim back, go against the current, pull us back. I'll pull Nicole back. Other and, uh, and so she's like, one day we were out there, and I just got kept pulling back. I'd float for a little bit and then pull back. She said, Jason, why don't you just chill out and float? I'm like, because if I chill out and float, you'll be halfway to Pensacola before the night's over. And I don't want to have to come get you. And so anyway, but there's always a current pulling you away. And that's, that's like it is spiritually. If we don't intentionally stay in that place where we're supposed to be, we will find ourselves far away from where God wants us to be. Far away from God's will for our life. Far away from the relationship that we want to have with the Lord. We have to be intentional in our walk with the Lord. Everybody say that. Say, be intentional. The next thing is, we have to believe that He's able and He's willing. We have to believe that He's able and He's willing. This is, this is so elementary, but it's so important. It's so important. We have to know that God, and now we don't struggle so much with God is able. Everybody knows God is able and God can do anything. God can do anything. But where we tend to struggle with this is that He's willing. That God will do it for me. We can see God doing it for other people, but we sometimes struggle with, will God do it for me? But we have to believe. We have to believe that, yes, God will do it for me. God loves doing good things for His children. God wants better for you than you want for yourself. If we knew what God wanted for us, we'd probably be blown away. But the Bible says in Matthew seven eleven, it says, So if you sinful people know how to get good gifts, give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask Him? 
God wants to do good things for you. God wants you to be in a good place. God wants you to be free. God wants you to be blessed. God wants you to be uh, blessed in your marriage and your finances. But it's hard to believe God for something if we don't really think it's His will. So this has to be settled in your heart. This has to be settled in your heart that God not only can, He's not only able, but He's willing. He's willing. And if He's ever going to be our go-to, you're not going to go to somebody you don't think is going to help you. You're never going to cry out to someone you don't think will help you. But He will help us. And we have to know, too, that God is there all along the way. There's a, there's a phrase that, that we say that, to me, it's a little bit, uh, it's a little bit misrepresentative. How many of you said it? I've said it. You know, we like to say when something good happens or when there's breakthrough, God showed up. Well, God showed up. Who said that before? God showed up. But the, the problem with that is God doesn't just show up when the, when the breakthrough comes. God doesn't just show up when the miracle happens. God doesn't just show up when the marriage is restored or the finances are blessed. God doesn't just show up then. God is there all along the way. The Bible says that He is Jehovah Shammah, the God who is present. He is God with us. And the Bible says also in Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 2.13 and Ephesians 3.20, it talks about the power of God always effectively working inside of us. God is always working on our behalf. Just because we don't see it until it shows up doesn't mean God's not there. You have to believe and to know that God is always there. He's there all along the way. You don't have to call Him to the scene. You don't have to get His attention. You don't have to get Him there on the spot. He's there all along the way. God is always there all along the way. And we have to realize that. Sometimes sometimes we don't realize God is there because we don't... Maybe our idea of how He's going to intervene is different than how He's intervening. You know, the Jewish people totally missed out on who the Savior was because He wasn't... It didn't look like what they thought it was going to look like. But I think of two people in the Bible that, man, they called out to God. God gave them... God was going to rescue them. They were trusting God. And... uh but the way God intervened, the way God came through for them, you know, probably wasn't ideal. Paul, Paul was in that shipwreck. You know, they were out in the sea of store and Paul had a promise that God was going to save them. I'm sure if Paul could write the script of how God intervened, it wouldn't have been floating on a plank in the ocean because the ship busted apart. I'm sure if Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego could have written the script of how God would deliver them, it wouldn't have been take them through the fire. But God knows what He's doing. God sees the big picture. And whether you realize it or not, God is always there working on your behalf. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. And so, uh, the last thing, the last thing I want to talk to you about is that, you know, if God is our go-to, God is our number one, our cry to God has to become, I really didn't know how to say this one, uh, how to word this, but it's got to become a cry from our heart. It's got to become a cry of desperation from our heart. Not desperation as in, I've lost all hope, but desperation knowing that it's God and only God who can come to my aid. It's God and only God can intervene. It's a place of faith that you come to knowing that if it's in His hands, it's going to be okay. It's got to become a heart cry a cry of desperation, knowing that we desperately need Him to intervene in our life. I'll tell you a story real quick. I'll close with this. I'll tell you a story. It's a story. Some of you have heard this a bunch of times. If you've been here over a period of time, you've heard this story. But it gets better every time. It gets better every time. No, I'll stick to the facts and the truth of the story. But anyway, 
So, but it's a moment in my life where, where there was a desperate cry for God. Not necessarily a desperate situation, but a desperate cry for God. So, me and Nicole, uh, we've been married over 26 years. Right. Is that the right number? Yeah. Okay. Anyway, over a quarter century, we've been married. And so, man, we started off young. I turned 21 on our honeymoon and she was, she was 18. She was 18 and I was 20 when we got married. And so, uh, man, we were that song. We were the picture of that song, young, dumb and broke. Y'all heard that song? <laughs> young, dumb, broke. You know, that was us, man. That song was written for us. We had nothing but love, my man. We had plenty of love. We were living on love. <laughs> we couldn't afford to buy propane one year, but we had love, and so we stayed warm. <laughs> you know, we were closely knit. All right, and so, man, we were nice. so we were both in college. So not only that, we were young. We were both had part-time jobs, and we were both in college full-time. You know, and so we were we had nothing. So we would go a lot of times. We'd go visit our parents on the weekend. They thought we just loved to visit them. Really? It was a financial plan, you know, because when we left, we could shut off the AC. We could shut off everything. We could, you know, no groceries. We didn't have to buy groceries for the weekend. We would go and just have a wonderful time with our parents. And all the time, we're like, yes, we are saving money. We are saving money. We can make it next week. We can make it next week. That's six meals or nine meals we don't have to buy. And so, you know, it was a, I'm sorry, if my mom and dad are watching this, I apologize. It's not. It, anyway, <laughs> we love you guys. <laughs> so... Uh, but anyway, so one weekend we went, man, it was summertime. We shut the AC off. We lived in a mobile home. So after about 10 minutes, it was like, you know, a tin can in the, out in the, on a parking lot, you know? So anyway, and so we shut everything off. We went, had a good time. We usually would come back on, on Sunday after church. We'd go to church and then come back on Sunday. But man, we needed a little extra, an extra time away this time. We saved another 10 bucks and stayed uh, Sunday night, and we didn't come back to it. We got an early Monday morning and drove back. So uh, I dropped Nicole off at college. She had an early class. I was going to go home, put stuff up, turn the AC on, so that when we both got out of class later today, it would be cool in the house. So it was all good. I rolled up to the house, and we had well water. Anybody have well water? Or all you folks, city folks. Y'all know what well water is? It's where, you have to, it's where there's no city water. You have to drill a hole in the ground, tap into water, and that's your water. Anyway, well water is the best. If you've never had well water, it's the best water. But uh, in the area we're in, the problem was sometimes the aquifer got a little low. <laughs> but anyway, I was, so I was walking up. I walked up in the house, and I heard, I noticed that the well pump was running. I'm like, well, that's odd. Usually it only runs when it has to fill the tank back up. And we hadn't been here to use the tank. So well, I saw through the stuff inside the door, went over. To the well house, went out there. Man, the, the pump was hot. It had been running. I kept a thing of water out there in case I ever needed to prime it. So I primed the pump, got it going again. It sounded like it was running. It ran for about 30 seconds. And then, you know, you could tell nothing was coming through. The tank was empty. I tapped on the tank. Echo, nothing in the tank. And so, man, I messed with it for about 20 minutes. And then I took a little thing off and I shook the, I shook the, where the pipe goes down in. And I heard the bottom of the pipe beating against the walls of the well. Pow, 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 pow. Like, uh-oh, <laughs> there's no water in that well. So, man, I was like, ah, oh, what did I do? So I walked around the back of the house. Well, I'll check, make sure we didn't leave a hydrant on in the back. So I walked around the house. Everything was off. Everything was good. We just didn't have any water. The well was dry. And so I'm walking back around the house. And this bumblebee that the devil sent from the pit of hell came and stung me right on the leg. 
Man, it's like, wow, somebody told me bumblebees don't sting you. They're a liar. They're a liar. I've been lied to all of my life. Those things, that was impact a punch. So I laid hands on it in Jesus' name. Cast that demon out. Anyway, killed it. But man, my legs started swelling and throbbing. So man, I was like, ah, this hurts. So I go out in the house, AC wasn't on. It was hot as ever in there. I was sweating. My leg was throbbing. I was like, oh my gosh. So I went to the bathroom, put my leg up on the sink. I just, if I get some cold water on it, I turn the sink on. No water. It's just blowing air out my leg. I'm like, ah, no, I temporarily forgot I didn't have any water. And so I was like, man, I was frustrated. I laid down. I just fell back on the bed, frustrated, sweating, throbbing. And I said, God, why don't you just fill our well? And just like he was in the room, it was the most audible thing I've ever heard from God. You know what he said? It was powerful. He said, okay. But it was just like he was right in the room with me. I actually, I actually sat up and looked around. So I'm like, I know Nicole's not home. I dropped her off. Nobody else is supposed to be in the house with me. It was like, did God just speak to me? <laughs> that was like the most audible thing. They're like, okay. It's like, yes, Lord. Okay. But then he dropped a scripture in my head. A reference. I didn't know what the scripture was. He just dropped a reference in my head. Ephesians 4, 9 and 10. So I'm like, okay. Praise God. I don't know what that says. And so I went and found my Bible and I was hesitating. I didn't want to open it up because I just knew it was going to be something like, Jehoshaphat begat somebody, and somebody begat somebody else, and somebody begat somebody, or something like, the fire of the Lord is, is upon you to strike you down, no, something like that. But anyways, I didn't know what it was going to say, but I opened it up, and this is what it said. It said, now this, he ascended. What does it mean but that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who, is, he who descended is also the one who ascended far above all heavens that he might fill all things. Now, I know if you're a Bible scholar, you're like, well, that's not what it's talking about, Pastor Jason. It's not, you know, it's not talking about your well. But in that moment, God spoke to me through his word to let me know he's got it. In a moment of desperation, there was no one else to call. We didn't have cell phones back then, guys, kids. We actually went through life without a cell phone. Unbelievable. I couldn't Google I couldn't do anything to figure out how to get a well back full. All I could do is call out to God. And so, and I'm going to tell you, this kind of goes against my theology that you have to expect, but I really didn't expect. But I just knew that there was nobody else that could help. There was nobody else there. And I just said, God, will you do this? And he said, okay. A moment of desperation. A moment where now that I think back, I realized I called out on him because I knew there is nobody else that can help me. If I call out to God, God can help me. I didn't think through that in that moment, but that's what it is because I had that foundation in my life. And so then it was the test. It was the test. So man, I was like, yes, oh, yes, oh, pumping myself up because I knew I had to go back out there then, prime the well, turn it on and see what happened. And so I was like, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. You're gonna, it did. I took me about five minutes before I got the courage up to go out there and try it. But I went out there. I'm like, God, thank you. You spoke to me. And it was, it was, a, it was a, a, a wonderful, a neat experience like I never had before. I poured water in the thing, pumped it. I turned the well on. Man, it ran like a charm. The tank filled up. And the rest of the time we lived there, we never had a shortage of water. God filled my well. God met me in a moment of desperation when there was a cry of desperation knowing that He is the only one. 
that I had to go to. He was my go-to. He was my go-to. He was the only one that had the answer. He was the only one that can intervene. He's the only one that can save. He's the only one that can deliver. He's the only one that can bless you. He's the only one that can break off the bondages that you have. He's the only one that can give you joy for mourning. He's the only one that can give you peace in the middle of the storm. If he's not your go-to, you will never experience revival in your heart. But how many of you know today, God wants us to be a place in our life where we realize how desperately we need him. Well, we believe and we know how desperately we need Him. He has to be our go-to. He has to be the one we run to. He has to be our first. Amen? Our first response. And so I believe there's people in here today, maybe you're going through some desperate situations. Maybe you just need, maybe this has pricked your heart and you know that God hasn't been your number one. Maybe you need to not this morning to hear that He wants to be your go-to. If that's you this morning, I'll say everybody just stand up. If that's you this morning, our prayer team is coming. You guys come, our prayer ministers, along these altars. This morning, I just want us to close with a time. A time where anybody who needs to can come to these altars and cry out in desperation to the only one who can meet your needs. I believe God wants to answer some desperate cries this morning. And if you believe God can answer your cry, you believe God will this morning, He's able to, then this time is for you this morning. Please join us in the altars as we close out making a desperate plea to the Lord. Father God, I thank you, God, for your word this morning. God, I thank you that you, God, that you want to be our number one. God, you want to be our go-to. You love it when we run to you. God, help us this morning to realize how desperately we need you. God, help us to realize this morning that you have all the answers, God. That you have all the ability. That you have all the strength. That you have all the peace that we'll ever need. So, God, I praise you this morning. And we end this service, God, crying out to you. Make these next few moments a moment where you call out to God. Not just in ritual. Not just because it's the thing to do. But make it a heart cry of desperation to God this morning.